Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. Oh man, we are, uh, we're like not quite leading up to a blood week, right? This is what everybody wants to know when they see Jason Kirk in the streets. Is they're like, hello, Jason Kirk, Dean of Blood Week, High Priest of Blood Week. In college football, are we indeed out of blood week? And typically what Jason Kirk has to say is no. No. I think Ryan is the high priest, seeing as this was all uh, originally his fault. I think I'm the youth pastor. I well, you are the Aaron to my Moses. Can we Actually, do that? I'm the I'm the like holy archivist. Because I'm <laughs> I'm the one who spent a day at the at the mall food court going through the old uh the old records to compile a spreadsheet. I'm the I'm the monk in the in the abbot. Is that what it's oh, you're the one who's gotta stay behind in dairy. When we all defeat the clown the first well, time, you know, in you know, in the Fifth Element, when the aliens come and they're like, "Here is the here is the weird brick you will need," and they give it to like the old monk. Yeah, you are that, and I'm the weirdly shaped alien. They Not give me that too well. Yeah, they give me that brick, and I'm like, "Ah, yes, Minnesota created this brick in <laughs> in, in 1937. I remember it well." Row the brick, row the brick, throw the brick, as uh, someone did to Bill Curry at Alabama. Yeah. Because he won an SEC title, that asshole. I have a, I have a. By the way, like, are you also the knight that is left behind to watch the Grail, the one who just sits in a cave for like, you know, what fifteen hundred years? The original blogger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's Spencer, you're the closest to fifteen hundred years old. This has to. I be. am. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> It would be. I would spend that time long in a cave waiting for someone to just give me the go. Right? You know what's shocking about that scene? That dude is still wearing all his clothes. Like, yeah. If, if you were, if you were just guarding the Grail, which has been uh, remained untouched for centuries, you'd take your pants off, right? Anyway, this is BannerSociety dot com. <laughs> yes. Which so we the- kept forgetting to mention. Now seems like a good time to bring that up. It's a shutdown full cast. The only college football. Podcast on well, the internet. Only college football podcast. It yeah, is there the might internet. be some offline ones. Yeah, there might be some Internet of Things college football podcast. There frankly, might be when a... those come for you and your family, we're gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah, those of you out there, if you listen to a Usenet or an ARPnet college football podcast, um... or on the other end of the spectrum, if your smart fridge uh, has opinions about Notre Dame, and it does, uh, move. Also, if it's a Notre Dame fan, your fridge is watching you because it's a cop. Cop fridge! There's a reason they only come in black and white. Damn. Whoop! <laughs> now, we, we're never, now we're never going to get that Smeg partnership, so. Wow, that's not where I thought that was going. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was a good turn. You now, know? now I'm experiencing different kinds of nausea. Hey, everyone's having a good time here on the Shutdown Full Cast. <laughs> I was, I, I keep waiting for us to hand out the podcast as a mixtape, right? Yeah. Podcast re- mixtape. It's a mixtape. Mix oh, we should send Alex and Richard to Baton Rouge with mixtapes. Hey, welcome to our production meeting. We yeah. Have, we have literally posted a transcribed version before. I don't, there's nothing we could We've do done that, that. sillier than that. We've hijacked the PAPN feed, which went great. Um. Yeah, we're pretty much all possibilities are open here. There, there we, are no ideas sillier than what we've already done. What opinion. about one of those like engraved wax cylinders? 
Yeah, we'll shoot it. Oh, into like space. a player piano that would just play us. Yes. We, we fire it to Neptune, and whoever lands on Neptune is like, "Shit, we got to leave this solar system. This place That's sucks." Right. The aliens who get there, they're like, "We can't attack Earth. Cassio Dog is too powerful." We'll be the Earth Defense Force. They'll be like, "Yeah, no intelligent life here." Let's Cassio get- Dog, two thousand one theme. I would probably play that on the bongos, right? The the bongo pads. Um, Before we uh, get into our material in earnest, we do have... (laughs) And there is material, I promise. But first, a brief digression (laughs) from Bongo Casio Dog. (laughs) Um, We do do have some uh, live shows coming up. Ryan, if you would uh, can you brief everybody on those, our, our locations, because um, I forget the dates. I know that they're Jacksonville and Friday, Charlotte. Friday, October 4th, Charlotte, North Carolina. Location TBD, but we're getting close. We're narrowing in. I, I will I will share because I don't think it's going to be for either of these. I recently decided I would really like us to one day do a live show at a planetarium where nobody ever sees us. They just lie back in the seats and look at the night sky and hear us do our stupid podcast. Casio dog. Star Trek theme. Uh, Friday, November 1st, Jacksonville, Florida. Venue also not yet announced, although we're also getting close there. I am reasonably confident tickets for these are going to go on sale pr- sooner rather than later. Le- more than a week before the show, at least. How about that? Will you take that? I'll take that. I'd be thrilled with that. Okay. I think my favorite part of us remembering to do podcast business on the Evergreen episode is yeah. that this is designed to be listened to, you know, a month after the show. So if you if you missed it, good luck. Yeah, that's right. Idiot. Mm. Gotta so, hit it. <laughs> so this is uh, another in our historical series on blood weeks, which are the weeks when the college football rankings all go completely to shit, particularly at the top 10 level. We have done a week one episode on 1990. We have done a bowl season episode on 2014 when the SEC West was completely full of shit. Uh, and now we're going to sort of make our way through the rest of the regular season bit by bit. Later in the year, you can do this on a weekly basis, uh, and we'll try and we'll try and keep up with that as best we can. There'll be some there'll be some multi week episodes, but we will we will fail. Yeah, if if we try, we will not succeed. That <laughs> is our solemn <laughs> vow to you, dear podcast reader. Um, but it's time to get caught up on what happens after week one. What happens after week one is September, and so here's the thing about trying to create a week-by-week thing uh, for college football seasons throughout history is these were not standardized or formalized in any way from era to era. Uh, A week one in 1950 means a completely different thing than a week one in 2019. So what I did when I was putting together the spreadsheet of all this shit was I counted backward from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the one thing you can count on everything pivoting around. So... A week three, for example, in 2019 terms, if you take that in 1940, week three might be week one because the season was so much shorter. But this at least standardizes things a little bit. Where it gets really awkward is in September. This is like a a long time ago, college football didn't even start until like mid-September. So either way, this is sort of the catch-up, catch-all. We're going to do basically weeks two, three, and four kind of all at once in a big pile here. 
you'll see what we mean. Um, so I think what we we had an order that we talked about before. All right, I remember. <laughs> Killing it. Proud of you. Thank you. Remember, I'm the one with the script. Yeah. And even I can't. So 1984 is what we're going to start with here. Uh, the concept is Blood Week. Are we going to talk Blood Week with 1984? No. We're going to talk Blood Month because 1984 opens with a fucking carnival of insanity. This was... This was a season that people often point to it as the one year when the underdog finally came out on top. BYU was the champ. It was the last time a non-power um, won the national title. This was kind of the one year that vindicated, you know, everything about the little guy. And how we got there was completely fucking insane. Brian, what do you got? Um, first of all, let's also remember that who did who did BYU play in their national champ their effective national championship game the holiday six Bowl? and six Michigan and why did they play six and six Michigan because like five other teams said no your payout is too low including Boston College so man you couldn't you couldn't pay off I'm sorry that Range Rover it's not paid for <laughs> and it never will be because debt is our greatest asset. Boston College Athletics. Here we go. Uh, All right, so here are the preseason top five from 1984. Auburn, in order. Auburn, Nebraska, Pitt, Clemson, UCLA. Here are how many losses each of those teams had by the first October poll. Auburn, two losses. Nebraska, one loss. Pitt, four losses. Yeah. Clemson, two losses, UCLA, one. None of the top five escaped September with their uh, with their record intact. Here's what else happened in September, before October had begun. The number one team in the country had lost three times. The number two team had lost once. The number three team had lost twice. Let's kick it off in week zero with Auburn and Miami playing in New Jersey, naturally. Um, this was Jimmy Johnson's first year. Miami wins this game uh, on the strength of Bernie Kosar playing extremely well and Bo Jackson playing just kind of good. Uh, he had a fumble in this game as well. This is a Miami team that's coming off a national title. They're ranked number 10. Auburn's ranked number one. I, this is not a terribly like crazy um, outcome because, you know, this is the defending national champion. This is Auburn fucking up with expectations. These are all things we're used to. So not too weird so far. Let's jump to what Jason has labeled week 0.5, where Pitt, number three at the time, they do not end the season there, as you can guess, loses at home to unranked BYU. Given the fact that we've already established that Pitt was not a good team this year, we're okay with that. We can move on. Week one, now things get really stupid. So Miami jumps all the way up to number one. They play number 14, Michigan. Yeah, they lose that game. Number seven, Notre Dame loses to unranked Purdue. Purdue beats in 1984 Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan. Spencer, what do you think their final record was in a year where they won those three games? Five and six. Seven and five. Not far. Not far off. How did you, like, Purdue, this is why you can't have nice things. No, I maintain this is because they're such an intelligent school with so many smart people, they realized we can only we can only win seven games. So we need to pick the right seven. I bet those five were just like nobody Purdue cares about. But they just said, okay, we're allocating all effort 
to these games. The rest, that's exam time, boys. Go study. So they're basically treating football as an RPG, and you only have so many points that you can allocate. Exactly. Do you know, like, you, you don't get to the moon by focusing on every every single detail with 100% effort, right? No, man, you just rig up a tin can, throw that thing up there. I think the point is more that to get to the moon, you have to like go as spare as possible. Weight matters and you can't like be, Mm -hmm. you can't be held down by things like, well, it'd be nice to have an Illinois win. Nah, if there's not room for an Illinois win to get to the moon, throw it out. That's an Illinois loss now, baby. You know, the guy I really identify with on the moon missions is particularly the, you know, like the, the first landing is Michael Collins, the guy who's up in the, uh, the, like the ship, the guy who took the right? picture. Yeah. Well, yeah. The guy who's the guy who's, you know, at one point was the furthest away anybody's ever been from another human being because the minute that the two of them, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong got back in the ship, I would be messing with them so hard. I would just be like, guys, you've been gone for 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I really Michael Collins? How do you know that? I would interstellar the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, he should He should have brought like a gorilla mask or something. Yeah, or a beard, right? Like a long Rip Van Winkle beard. <laughs> Guys, no! Are you mad? I am your daughter. I don't need to sleep anymore. I think my favorite Michael Collins thing is people are like, didn't you get so lonely up there? And he's like, what? No, it was awesome. <laughs> it's like, have you met Neil Armstrong? <laughs> What makes these two people have been pooping next to your head for like a week? Yeah, you're th- you're thrilled to get some alone time. Like Buzz Aldrin is like Space Jim Carrey, and Neil Armstrong doesn't speak. It was great. <laughs> it's like, what y'all are back? Oh God. Mm-hmm. Um. Also in week one, number nine Alabama loses at home. Or, well, sort of at home at Legion Field to number. Just eight, like going to space, this never happened. To number <laughs> yes. eight to number eighteen Boston College. Bama blew a 17-point lead in the third quarter of this game. 17 yep. points? Yep. I'm full cat thinks that shit. I'm sure, I'm sure that went over really well with the fans back home. Uh, don't worry. It's going to get worse for Bama. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, thank great. God. Number 12, Arizona State, loses at home to unranked Oklahoma State 45-3. to <laughs> At home? Is that bad? Yeah, at home. <laughs> Now, to be fair, this the, so Arizona State was ranked twelfth, but this was a year after they went six four and one. So, like, I don't know, I don't understand anything. Week two, number three Michigan coasting after you may recall just beating the number one team in the country, Miami, at home against Washington. They lose twenty to eleven in a game that isn't as close as it sounds, and is so uh, they play so poorly on the offensive line that Bojan Beckler says if it gets any worse, he's going to go out and play left tackle. <laughs> ah, they're old Bochembo. <laughs> uh, number five, Iowa loses at home to number twelve Penn State. It's the only road game Penn State won all year, and it is like every other Penn State Iowa ending you've ever seen. It comes down to late in the game. Iowa has a fourth and one on the Penn State twenty nine. They're down three. There's two minutes left. They don't convert. Um this is also a reminder that independent Penn State was way more interesting than Big Ten member Penn State. Here's who here's some of who they played this season. Iowa, Texas Alabama, West Virginia, Boston College, Notre Dame, and Pitt. Like, I would much rather watch that Penn State season than them going through the Big Ten motions now. 
Uh, I said Alabama was going to have it get worse. It got worse. Number 19, Alabama loses to unranked Georgia Tech. Oof. And in the process, in larger context, in, in Bama's first five games of 1984, they go 1-4. The four losses are the Boston College game we talked about, this Georgia Tech game, which they lost 16-6, to a nine-point home loss to Vanderbilt, and a 10-point loss to Georgia at Legion Field. This wound up being Bama's first losing season since 1957 and ended a 25-year bowl streak for the Tide. I cannot imagine a coach now who would survive a 1-4 start at Alabama. I don't know about 1-3, man. <laughs> like, maybe if it was Nick Saban and Nick was like, I'm going through some stuff, y'all. I'm just not just not feeling it. They'd be like, you, you earned that. That's fine. Wait, is this how Alabama finally comes to like recognize that mental health treatment, that there's no stigma attached to mental health? No. Can you imagine how fast we could get that entire population to swerve like a school of tuna if Nick was like, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy has really helped me through a lot of things. And they're like, hell yeah, Nick, get your feelings out. Yeah, let's cry. Depression is real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, week three, number two Clemson loses to number 20 Georgia. This doesn't matter a ton because Clemson was on probation this year anyway. Uh, but Georgia won this game 23-20 on a 60-yard field goal with 11 seconds left after coming down from uh, after coming back from being down 20 to six at halftime. Number four Miami loses at home to number 15 Florida State. And so that means Miami has done the following in their September. Beaten the number one team in the country. Beaten an in-state rival easily. They beat Florida 32-20 to at Tampa Stadium. Yum. Uh, lost as the number one team, the Michigan game we talked about, and gotten stomped by an in-state rival. Uh, Bernie Kosar got benched in the third quarter of this game. And Miami only scored, I think the final score of this game was 38-3. Miami kicked that field goal when they were already down three scores. Great job. Uh, number 18, West Virginia loses at home to unranked Maryland, a team that has lost at home to this. Uh, Maryland at this point has lost at home to Syracuse and Vanderbilt, and then they go on the road to Morgantown and give West Virginia its first L of the year. Week four, to wrap it up, probably the biggest, dumbest, craziest upset of early 1984. Number one, Nebraska loses on the road. I will get... Uh, Spencer or Holly, I will give either of you five dollars if you can tell me who this who this opponent is. Give me the give me our context one more time. Uh, this is number one Nebraska losing on the road in week four in a game. I'll give you one more piece of information: a game that aired on USA Network. Damn. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. In week four, was it hosted yeah. by a sexy nurse? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go if it was 84 and it was Nebraska and we're talking a weird loss. Yeah. Um, uh, Illinois. I don't know. Bright colors. Syracuse. Oh, Syracuse the week before at home had been shut out by Rutgers 19 to zero. And then they turned around and beat number one, Nebraska, Tom Osborne, Nebraska. This was the first time Nebraska had been held to one touchdown. They scored, I think, nine points in this game, and the other two were a safety Syracuse gave them at the end of the game for no, just, you know, to have it be done with. This is the first time they've been held to one offensive touchdown since 1981, and they only put up 214 yards of offense in this game. And it was only 
on USA Network characters welcome. Number 12, Georgia loses to unranked South Carolina. Gosh, it'd be a shame if that happened this year. Who's to say what year I'm talking about doesn't matter. That's I believe I believe if that's 84, are we talking uh, that would be the black magic uniforms. This is the first time South Carolina wears black. And uh, this is this is, by the way, this is, by the way, all uh, South Carolina doing really well. You're like, oh, yeah, man, Joe Morrison's got them cooking. Yeah, go go look at what Joe Morrison and that coaching staff was doing with the players. Might have been some chemical enhancements Shh. there. Shh. That's that fine. In the 80s, that doesn't matter. No, it's called magic. <laughs> it's called vitamins. 1984 South Carolina was, for whatever reason you may determine, uh, a really good team. They're an independent at this point. They beat Georgia, Notre Dame, Florida State, and Clemson. And then the week before Thanksgiving is the number two team. They lost on the road. To, to a, Navy. To a sub-500 Navy team. <laughs> like, there was, a real, there was a real path for South Carolina to play to potentially win the national championship because if they had if they beat Navy and they win their bowl game their cases they're undefeated and their cases undoubtedly stronger than BYU's at that point. Yeah, by the way the coach of that team Joe Morrison also had his mistress his mistress followed him along with his wife to Columbia South Carolina. 5 years later he will die in the shower after a racquetball game. As the NCAA and other authorities converge on Columbia to drop the hammer on the South Carolina Gamecocks program. It's perfect. It's the most South Carolina story ever. Most people don't know it because it happened back in the basic cable days. Because it involves racquetball. Yeah. Uh, Number 13, Clemson in week four lost to number 18, Georgia Tech. Uh, Clemson came back from down 21-0 to tie this game. But then Georgia Tech scores a touchdown with 33 seconds left. Clemson, at this point, has all three timeouts. And they fuck up the squib kick. Georgia Tech recovers it. Clemson basically doesn't get the ball <laughs> back to try and tie this game and send it to overtime. It is. botched squib. It was, it's so, un- this whole, for some reason, you know how sometimes you're like, wow, this game from three years ago, it, I can't find it anywhere on YouTube. This whole game is on YouTube. It's great. Don't watch it. Uh, Number 15, USC, loses at home to unranked LSU uh, with a new head coach. They're coming off a four and seven year. The only thing I want to say about this, and then I'm done with my spiel on 84. uh, This is from a Sports Illustrated article about this game. Afterwards, a Tiger fan poked his head into the team bus and said, Coach, I just want to let you know we're with you, said the man solemnly. For now, at least. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean um 80 84 is fucking wild 84 was just like a total a total mess of a year that's so some... to me 84 is in one way an example of how we would like to see the non-power the mid-major the group of five whatever you want to call them those teams we'd like to see them get actual shots and actual consideration when they go undefeated um at the same time, <laughs> this BYU team was not anything that anyone could consider especially elite. I think in the playoff era, this is a team that you would love to see them get the four seed. Right. You know, like a 2017 UCF, you would like to see that team get a shot as a four seed. As a one seed, no, no. Um, but because of the way the the media polls work, especially back in the 80s, is if you get one good win you are at you now have a floor 
you will only climb as you continue to win. So BYU beats that shitty number three pit, and they're locked in with a floor of number 13, and then they move up as other teams lose. By the end of the year, they're the only team with a zero in the loss column, so shit, I don't know. I guess they're the champ. Whereas if you put them in a playoff, they would be an underdog to like Nebraska. If they beat Nebraska or Oklahoma, then they're going to be an underdog. Yeah, Washington is your most likely national champ. Yep. If Florida isn't on a bowl ban, Florida is your most likely national champ. So now we have a situation where if we'd had a playoff, we have instead of a first-time champ and a non-power for the first time and, you know, <laughs> maybe until the end of time, we have a team that was going to win an- another title within the next decade anyway. And suddenly, even 1984, even the year that started with all this mayhem and chaos and all, and car- is, it, it, it's as chalky as everything else around it. Now, here's here's why it was good that it worked out this way. Because they play Michigan in the Holiday Bowl, as you said, a 500 Michigan team. And going into that, Bo Schembechler is basically like saying a lot of these things out loud, like, I don't think BYU is that good. I think like we've faced tougher defenses, tougher passing attacks, whatever. Uh, they blow a lead in the fourth. Michigan blows a lead in the fourth quarter of this game. BYU wins, holds on to number one. And afterwards, Boshan Buckler says, Brigham Young should be outlawed. Absolutely <laughs> outlawed. Why? Because they hold too much. That's basically his complaint and his basis for outlawing either a religious figure or a football team or a university or all three. Hard to say. Bo Schembechler was the crankiest man in the world, and I love it. Yeah, didn't they have a whole actual war about whether to outlaw Brigham Young like <laughs> 200 years ago or whatever? I, this I has know, already but, been covered, Bo. I, I don't know, but if it if it took winning a battle in Pasadena, Schembechler wasn't doing it. Oh. Yeah. Not awesome in Southern we'll, California. We'll fight you in the Rose Bowl, Bo Schembechler. No, we'll fight you. We'll fight you on the West Coast. Shit, outfoxed again. Uh, so that's '84. I ran through it quickly because there's just a lot there, and I don't want to take any more time from my wonderful colleagues. No, we're fine. We're on course here. This episode of the Shutdown Fullcast is sponsored by Homefield Apparel, makers of comfy, high-quality, visually appealing college shirts, sweatshirts, and more. This is not the itchy, boring stuff they're selling at the campus bookstore, and I've got three real examples to prove it. One, they've got a vintage Ohio Bobcats logo shirt with a screaming bobcat that looks like it was plucked from an illegal fireworks stand display. Two, a Baylor shirt that says Sikkim Bears and has a roaring bear head roughly the size of an Easter ham on it. Three, multiple historic versions of Purdue Pete in all his terrifying glory. You can get 20% off all of them or anything else in your first purchase when you go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code FULLCAST. Homefield is constantly adding new schools and digging through the archives to add new designs, all of which they put on the highest quality fabrics. They also have women's styles, which shouldn't be a revolutionary idea, but in the college apparel market, it totally is. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code FULLCAST, get 20% off, and harness the power of an illegal fireworks bobcat. 
Hello, listener. I'm Sean Ramos, firm host of Today Explained, Vox's daily news podcast. Every day, Monday through Friday, my team and I look at what's happening in the world. We pick one essential news story that defines our moment and ask smart people to help us understand it in about 20 minutes or less. It's the perfect way to start or end your day. Subscribe to Today Explained for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. It's from Stitcher and the Vox Media Podcast Network. With 84, the thing is like, we didn't have a playoff, therefore we had a wacky ending, therefore the whole season is viewed as good and beautiful. Whereas if we'd had a playoff, it would have funneled everything toward one of the actual good teams and we would say, oh, how boring, oh, how boring, a big power won it. Um, Which is kind of the situation we're in right now in real life, where the playoff funnels everything towards the same two teams, even if they happen to drop a game, you know they get a second a second life, a second wind. If we go back to the 1970s, then we see an actual extreme of what actual chalky football looks like. Like anyone who looks right now and sees Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Bama, this is ahistorical. This is unique. This is weird. No, not even close. Uh, go back to the 1970s for an extreme. If you apply a playoff to the 1970s, every single fucking year is Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State, Oklahoma over and over and over, Texas and Michigan would be your curveball teams. So the fun of going back and looking at this shit is like getting to look at it with and without that playoff lens that we have right now um, because it really skews and filters things in fascinating ways. In the 70s, on the subject of blood weeks, we're not just chalking on that year-to-year basis where it's the same fucking powers every single season. They also had, you know, after going back through every year looking for blood weeks, every every decade looking for blood weeks, the 70s are just light on them. It, it just, it barely ever happened, except for one year when we had two in a row, which was 1974. Yeah, in 1974, uh, when you get into September... As the season lurches to a start, uh, one week at a time, we kind of had to break up the games when you look at them because there's a uh, there's your week two, which is really week two in quotes, and week three, which is week three in quotes, because they don't exactly match up the way you wanted to. But there is a ton of turnover, and I'm not just talking for like upsets where one team is beating another team. I mean. One where one team beats another team and then immediately drops the ball the next week, right? Where you go, ha-ha, now they've beaten that team, they're going to lose. No, no, no. That that happened. Looking at you, Wisconsin, we should just start with them because number four Nebraska rolls into uh, Camp Randall to play Wisconsin, a team that they should annihilate with a powerful rushing attack. Um, and they do get like around 260 yards rushing. Um, and they lead for all but three minutes and 29 seconds of the game. Unfortunately for Nebraska, the last three minutes and 29 seconds are the part that they decided to give up the lead on because um, what's a classic Badger win? That's right. One that's decided by powerful long-range passing. There's a 79-yard TT with three minutes and 29 seconds against the Black Shirts, uh, and they win 21 20. Because this is 1974, a little harder to find facts about this than it might be for 8408. That still didn't keep me from finding out that the name of Wisconsin's running back at the time was Larry Canada. (laughs) 
Larry Canada. Like, what's what do we think of when we think of terrifying? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm bringing okay canned beer and socialized health care to your goal line. This, this is like me. the character who got cut from Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> yeah. What does he do? He's very polite. <laughs> Succeedingly polite. He didn't even score the winning touchdown. He left that to a wide receiver. Wait a, wait a guy. Nebraska, by the way, in this game, 47 yards passing. Not ex- not, not that that's a surprise. I'd just like to remind you what it was like to be punched in the face by a classic Tom Osborne offense for four quarters. Uh, so number four, Nebraska drops in week two. Instantly drops a game. That leaves, um, you know, a dependable program that never disappoints, like LSU. Um, they're playing in Baton Rouge against Texas A&M, and uh, they, they, they lose this one 21-14. Remember, this was a bitter, bitter rivalry before we woke it back up. Yeah, put, stop doing that. Yeah, don't. Yeah, this you should have let this sleep with the ancients. Instead, you moved the stone off the sarcophagus and let this mummy free. Why'd you do that? Now it's got anxiety. Hey, cool idol. Is it okay if I take it home? Perfectly good mummy. <laughs> this is like y'all remember last year when they opened up that dark sarcophagus in the desert? Yeah, and there was there was a mysterious red liquid inside it and a change.org petition to let people drink from the sarcophagus and gain its powers. That's actually a side point to the guy I'm remembering, which was the guy who has never seen any movies who went immediately on BBC uh, right after this and said, you know, people talk a lot about curses, but I stuck my entire head in the sarcophagus and I'm fine. (laughs) I'm like, motherfucker, have you watched television? (laughs) In your life, have you watched television? So this would be this would be the equivalent of LSU being like, "Hey, we're gonna put our head in this Aggie. What could go wrong?" Ew. Yeah, that's that's not strike that. <laughs> nope. Let's revise that. Nope. We can go back, right? It stays. Nope. nope. It stays. Uh, now it's canon. You got your head stuck in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, twenty-one fourteen. The Aggies go in there. Uh, Are you calling the Aggies your personal honeypot. The Aggies go in there. Oh God. Death Valley. Wait, it gets worse. Uh. <laughs> Just crevices as far as the eye no, can No, no. So hot, so humid. Oh, that. Hey, you did just have an enormous rash. The uh, speaking of I, a, speaking of an enormous night, rash, it never rains in Tiger Stadium. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, number seven, LSU. <laughs> Neck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number seven LSU immediately spits the bit and blows their ranking. It used to wow. be a lot easier to what get. Are, what are you doing? <laughs> Just keeping it going. Um, Wait, what? It's the seventies. No! Hey, it's the seventies. Stop doing that. This yeah, is becoming we... a body horror episode. It's the seventies. It's a home loss in Baton Rouge. It's always a body horror episode. Then there are teeth growing out of my calves. <laughs> totally natural. They're delicious. Ah! should know this by the way because names are the one thing you can find from 1974 lsu's quarterback billy broussard and thank you god who's he backed up by carl otis trimble (laughs) (laughs) outstanding um that leaves you know that's number seven down in one week how about number eight go by carl if you had otis sitting right there i assume the otis is in quotes I, w- I would prefer that the Carl was in quotes. <laughs> I'm Carl Otis Trimble. He should I'm be a sure special. It's not Carl Otis. 
Cartilage. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds like a kind of hothouse flower. Yeah, and his daughter, Carlotisa. Carlotisa. Um, that leaves number eight. How did? I love it when you call me Carlotisa. Um, this leaves number eight, Penn State. Who? Yeah, yeah. Ryan, you're right. Independent Penn State, a much more interesting football team. Way kind more of, fun. Yeah, they should really go back to that because uh, they ended up having these fascinating schedules, like where they played uh, an unranked Navy team uh, and they played them at home. Right? Comfy, easy win. Nope. Monsoon swept through. Um, there are conflicting reports about the total number of fumbles in this game. Um, nice. Penn State Penn State definitely lost two of them. There are reports that they fumbled up to nine times. What do you mean up to nine? Uh, okay. Based on based on some eyewitness reports and articles ah. and a couple of forum discussions, because that's what I had to do for some of these games was rely on people oh, going, right, I old. think they fumbled nine times. Um, anyway, they lost two, missed four field goals, and Joe Paterno was so desperate for points in this game that after Navy put together a voyage of a drive to score a touchdown in the second quarter, Penn State responded on the next drive, and with the score at 7-6 in the second quarter, Joe Paterno went for two. That's how bad the rain was, and that's how much they were convinced that they were never getting near the end zone again. They miss it. Uh, Missing the two-point conversion ends a 21-game Penn State win streak. And Navy wins 7-6. Surely in week two, number 10 could stand up to things. Nope. Nope. Frank Broyles, Arkansas team at home facing an unranked Oklahoma State. Yeah, they get blasted 26-7 by the Cowboys. Uh, Arkansas also loses to Baylor that year. If you're wondering, oh, man, that must be one of the two times in the history of Baylor football that they were good. That's correct. Grant Taft is... uh, there and they go eight and four that year uh the cowboys by the way and like i said i think it was easier to get ranked back in the 70s the cowboys go from unranked to 12 hell yeah yeah you know what they immediately do with that 12 ranking boom shoot themselves in the foot by losing to that baylor team 31 14 isn't that shit so much better than now where you start with the preseason rankings and it's like oh you lost by 12 week one it's like we're gonna have to drop you four spots for that sorry yeah, you were saying it was the seventies, by the way. Like uh, in this in the seventies, three and O Cal that's beaten Washington is the number four team in the nation. And that's insane and great. We should do that. Same week. We're not even out of that week yet. Week week quote two unquote. Uh that would be UCLA. Number twelve UCLA being coached at this time by Dick Vermeil. You may, may remember that name. It's former Kansas City coach, and he was the coach of the greatest show on turf the St. Louis Rams, and he was also the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles the time they made the Super Bowl, uh, but didn't win it, right? With Ron Jaworski, at quarterback. That dick for meal. He's coaching UCLA at the time, and this game has the best quote that I found in any of this research, any of it. There's a couple of good quotes. This one has the best one. This is a terrible Iowa team. Awful. Like, they are as... Bad and unwatchable as we joke about Iowa being good and unwatchable right Wait, now. Wait, is this the quote? No. Okay. <laughs> it's better. I was like, God yeah, this damn, is, this is spicy this, shit. I'm going to get there. for meal had to say. Yeah. Iowa, by the way, going into this game uh, in Kinnick, they had lost 12 in a row. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. Um, UCLA fumbles six times in this game. They lose 
three of them. All right. And Iowa wins 21-10. Fans tear down the goalposts. And in the locker room post game, uh, in the pink locker room, it's not pink at the time. Hayden Fry painted it in the 80s, but you know, mm-hmm. indulge me with the fictional licensing. Haha, <laughs> like a cervix. Uh huh. Pink like a cervix from which you emerge into the world naked and screaming. Speaking of naked and screaming, Dick Vermeil post game. Uh, <laughs> he gets his team together. And I guess as a real motivator of men, Dick Vermeil says, gentlemen, You've just lost to the worst team in America. Shit, yeah. <laughs> and Dick Vermeil was like, I think, like, kind of thought as a fairly nice guy, right? No, like, no, 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 no. Philly, I, he was a Philly. He uh, was okay. a. Well, am uh, I thinking of like old, later old? Oh, you're thinking I'll, of I'll later cry. Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil. Okay. No, Dick Vermeil is the guy who made the two point conversion chart yeah. that everyone uses because. He didn't want any piece of the game to be left up to chance. He was a taskmaster. He was a robot. So this totally makes sense for like young Dick Vermeil, who later became the kindly grandfather that you remember from Kansas City, okay. right? Yeah. And from St. Louis. No, this 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 man is this man is driven cold and ruthless. And so told Dick, his, Dick Vermeil is basically like, oh, Grandpa, he's such a nice man. It's like, yep, he made all his money denying insurance claims in the fifties. Yep. He'll give you a Werther's. So, surely in the same week, number 14, playing a pitiful, unranked Florida team, just switching to running the wishbone, surely Maryland can... No, no. They they lose two to an unranked Florida team. Uh, where, running is, the, where is this game? Uh, this game this game is in Florida. Okay. So, there is that. It's a 17-10 victory for the Florida Gators. Um, they are running the wishbone under future University of Tennessee athletic director and then Gators coach, Doug Dickey. So 14 drops a game here. Stanford at 19. What could be more dependable than Stanford playing an unranked Illinois team? Remember, Illinois, we've always been awful. Um, Except this day, because uh, the Illini blasted them 41-7 with a guy named Chubby Phillips at running back. Fuck yes. Chubby Phillips. This whole thing, by the way. You knew it was going to happen because the game program for Stanford that day shows a Stanford player in a tackle where it looks very much like he's taking a helmet to the nuts. So <laughs> just kind of had to know this was coming. Well, that's if like you- the Heisman Trophy. Oh, Heis- the, the, Heis- the Heisman Trophy kind of looks like that, doesn't it? I don't know why we're in the 30s <laughs> now. I just it's, decided. It's the pose of excellence when you can take two, but stay at number one. Yeah. It's rolling bandages on the sidelines for the boys in the Crimean War. <laughs> Uh, and then, then, in case week two wasn't bad enough, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a ranked Houston. It was number 18 Stanford at home. And then it was a number 19 Houston loses to an unranked Miami team, 20-3. Uh, to three. Uh, The Miami Hurricanes then, of course, take all of that momentum, move forward, and two weeks later, they lose to Auburn 3-0. to zero. So, in other words, Auburn's always been that. Auburn's always, always been this way. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to number three, uh, week three, just in case we didn't have enough chaos. And this is where we get to the really good stuff. Uh, Notre Dame is number two. They are playing an unranked Purdue in South Bend and uh, come out there as favorites. Air Parsegian, fresh off a national title. And what do they do? Uh, They allow 24 points in the first quarter to Purdue (laughs) and lose 31-20. 
the Sports Illustrated article for this is a prosecutable felony in terms of overwrought sports writing. I will only share one word from this entire thing. At this point, the writer for Sports Illustrated listed them as the spoiler makers. Oh, God. Hey, how many how many games do you think uh, 74 Purdue won besides this game? Uh, I believe they went six and four. Four, six, and one. Four, six, and one. All right. Ah, so that's different. Yeah. Four, six, and one. Dyslexically, I was almost right. Right. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned that 1984 uh, Purdue win over Notre Dame didn't take place in South Bend. Purdue beats Notre Dame in South Bend in 74. When's the next time they win? 2004. They didn't beat... The Irish again until 2004. It's Purdue that's Pennywise. (laughs) They're back. Don't go near the sewer. There's math in there. I mean, we've all seen their mascot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's number that's number two going down that week. Uh, Number six, Texas playing uh, a mediocre Texas Tech team with a freshman Earl Campbell. Yeah, they lose 26-3. Just just blow it texas tech's actually like uh a six game win or six win team that year they're they they do not turn out to be that bad but at the time out of nowhere uh blowing a game in lubbock 26 to 3 uh this leads to number seven arizona state at that time coached by maybe my favorite pac-12 future pac-12 team coach ever frank kush who the field is currently what? named for frank kush ah uh. K-U-S-H, Frank Cush. That, that's what I thought you said. Uh, yeah, they they lose 9-0 to Mizzou. <laughs> God, that had to be. How interesting. I'd rather watch, would you rather watch 3-0 or 9-0? I would rather watch, I'd rather watch 3-0. That's just exquisitely no, I'd, bad. No, I'd rather watch 9-0 because I think it creates more, um, more anxiety on the part of the, the team that's behind. I'd rather watch 3-0 because 9-0 seems to portend that things might change at some point, and 3-0 gives it to you like it is. I like 9-0 because you can joke about it being a three-score game. <laughs> ah. <laughs> or, it's a, or in some schools, that that's a, what, that's a five-score five, game? That's a five-score game. Five-score game for some schools? Yeah. Mm. Um, number eight, Pitt. That's right. Doesn't it just roll off the tongue? Ah. <laughs> number eight, Pitt. Uh, lost at home. Clearly, to... there's an error here that needs to be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> there, there actually is because if you look at the score in the New York Times archive for this, it says Pittsburgh falls sixteen to seventy nine to the Trojans. It's like, God, that's a rugby score. Good cut. No, it was it was sixteen seven. There's just some sort of coding error. Um. In more crimes against sports writing, this is the subheader for the 16-7 Trojans victory over the ranked eight Pitt Panthers. For connoisseurs of the hipper dipper, the zigzag and the shoulder <laughs> thing. Jesus Christ, what? Mr. Davis of USC outdistant Mr. Dorsett of Pitt 149 yards to 59. <gasps> but much of the credit for the Trojans 16-7 win belonged to his cohorts. I'm glad Grant and Rice is dead. 
it, it gets so much it gets so much worse man like so much worse there's another one here and the fabulous td who made all america as a freshman who gained 200 yards against notre dame who could dodge between the bullets on a machine gun practice range it wouldn't have been an even jazzier promotion except the ncaa cracked down at the last minute and usc and pitt also had to suit up all those dull tackles fullbackers linebackers and have a regular football game that's one sentence one sentence in all of this, Edi- right? Good, this- good, edit- good editors are to be trusted. Yeah, you can turn up. This was, by the way, in the classic era of SI. For connoisseurs of the hipper dipper, the zigzag and the shoulder face. I. Mr. Davis of USC. I need you to stop. I need you to stop. Which one? (laughs) I need everyone to stop. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Pitt. Thank you. I think I just had a small panic attack. (laughs) You just got through saying you'd rather watch a 3 0 or 9 0 game because it's more anxiety. Yeah, I I changed my mind. (laughs) I I have good lung capacity. That's like a nine breath opening paragraph. I'm so mad at USC. Reading for that, that is happen. the real end of the deep. It, it is. Um, Who wrote that number? I'll don't worry about it. it was, I want to know. It was uh, name names. them and shame them. Joe Jarris. What the hell? Joe Jarris. Asshole. Um, number eleven, Wisconsin. Remember Wisconsin? Fresh off that upset. Remember, if you upset anyone, they just sort of put you in those like. Like preteen, sort of eleven <laughs> or twelve. Spot. I found somebody on Twitter who's not that Joe Jarris, but his bio is just a dude trying to wrap his problems away. And how? But yeah, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, fresh off that upset, immediately vaults to eleven. All of that momentum, they're playing Colorado, and they um, they lose twenty four twenty one. I have found Joe Jarris's photo. It's exactly the kind of person you think would say something like that. Yeah, he's got the 80s power glasses and a gigantic tie knot. Oh, a wise guy. This is Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about my podcast, Recode Decode. Every week we have candid, in-depth conversations with people like Elon Musk, Nancy Pelosi, and Kathy Griffin. We talk about how they got to where they are today and how their work is changing our world. New episodes of Recode Decode are released every Monday and Wednesday, and we often have bonus episodes on Friday. Subscribe for free to be the first to hear them on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Number 12, Oklahoma State. Again, remember, this is this is the power of... Powered ups- by victory! Yeah, uh. pa- powered by victory. What could they do? What waits for them? Yeah, that's right. They, they rank 12 because that's the upset slot. They immediately drop a game to Baylor. And then number 14, Tennessee. Man, what could go wrong? Nothing. When you're depending Shit. on Tennessee to Wait, win a game, was I wasn't alive. I'm not taking credit for that. Yeah, guess guess who the, guess who they're playing? By the way, they're playing Auburn. I would prefer not to guess. <laughs> you don't even have to like. I could have just gone into this blind. They would be like, uh, "Let's see. This is uh, this is Auburn in a game they're not supposed to win against a ranked team. Yeah, yeah. They they ruined it. By the way, they they completely ruined it upsetting the Tennessee volunteers. Um, Yeah. Now, the conclusion in this is the fun part when you talk about 1974 because 
we're making it sound like 1974 was this like after these pivotal two weeks of upsets and upheavals, like it was going to be super controversial, right? Like, oh, yeah, there's no telling what's going to happen. Start off with that preseason poll of Oklahoma at one, Ohio State at two, Notre Dame at three, Alabama at four, UFC five, Michigan six, Nebraska seven, Penn State eight, LSU nine, and Texas ten. Uh, that that final poll, when you look at it, man, it's it's not that much different. Not a whole lot moves. Number one's Oklahoma. Number two is USC. Number three is Michigan. Number four is Ohio State. Number five is Alabama. Number six is Penn State. Does this all sound familiar? Yeah. It should sound. It should sound very familiar. All of this happened and nothing shifted. Absolutely nothing. Just rearranged the deck chairs. The best part about the 1974 season is this. That in all of this, you may not have heard the name Oklahoma a lot. There's a reason. Oklahoma <laughs> wins Oklahoma wins Oklahoma all of their games. Oklahoma was actually still at the bottom of the ocean at this time. It was. And it surfaced. And the king of Atlantis was Barry Switzer. Can I digress very quickly to talk about the rule Actually, change? he totally would chain his daughter to a rock. Can I, can I digress and talk about the rule changes for the 74 season? Yeah, sure. You had to uh, wear shoulder pads for the first time. Yes, shoulder pads are required equipment for all players prior to this. Kickers and wide receivers frequently played without them. Um, players who enter the field are required to remain for one play, and players who leave the field are required to stay on the bench for one play. That ended the practice of sending messenger players in to send in the plays who then left without participating in said play. Um, yeah. And my favorite one. Successful field goals must now travel between the uprights. Previously, a field goal was declared good if the ball went over an upright, which apparently is still the rule in the NFL. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most importantly, that rule became important in the 1974 Ohio State-Michigan game, where what would have been Michigan's game-winning field goal was declared no good because it went over the left upright instead of inside. So three things here. One, Oklahoma, clearly the best team, towered above everyone else. But there is some fun there because they were NCAA probation ball banned from the postseason and the AP poll. So mm -hmm. <laughs> Oklahoma being Oklahoma, get, getting student athletes compensated. Um, um, which, two by is, the way, if we had a playoff, it would have been Bama versus USC boring and 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 ohio state michigan rematch so they can figure out their field goal lasers <laughs> problem <laughs> so your title game is probably bama versus ohio state and uh so so either way your your national champ is you know as now as of now it's a oklahoma black. fair and yeah. square if we had a playoff it's probably alabama either way we found all these wacky ball moments of joy buried underneath the top of the standings it's like there's a lesson here that was, um, can I give you Barry Switzer, by the way, who it should be pointed out, when did Oklahoma go on a bowl ban and probation under Barry Switzer? Year two, baby. Year two. <laughs> Starting hot. Barry Switzer, do crimes. <laughs> I'm just getting this out of the way early, setting a tone. <laughs> you know what? He probably thought of it that way, too. He was probably like, you know what? I want everybody to know. Best deal, best compensation, best benefits. Oklahoma Sooners. I like Come to imagine that Barry Switzer is um, McGruff the crime dog's brother. And they're just not alike in any way. <laughs> like, McGruff, like, yeah, McGruff the do crimes dog. Yeah. Barry the oh, hey, we do got we the, have a mascot? Barry the Did we just create our mascot, the Duke Grimes dog? I just I just want these students to know. Come on down. We got doorbuster deals. We got a grand opening here in Norman. 
Your mama need a new trailer? We got trailers. We got all kinds of trailers. Single Nick Strands Ams are limited edition. Life. Wink, wink, they're not. <laughs> Do you want a dorm room with a jacuzzi? Fine. Take my house. I have 17 of them. First, um, first, uh, first five-star quarterback in the doors gets an oil rig. <laughs> Let me give you Barry Switzer at the age of 75 talking about this, and it's absolutely magnificent. Uh, he said, he said, you might be going to a bowl game, said Switzer of OU's opponents this, that season, but everybody is going to know you got your ass kicked by Oklahoma when you <laughs> got there, and that's what we did. <laughs> So basically, Barry Switzer is the uninvited person at the wedding who shows up. He's like, you might be marrying her, but I fucked her first. Oh, yeah. No, he's showing showing up at the wedding to be like, yeah, I got those drawers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was it. This was this was a team that knew they were never going like Bedlam was the last game they played. And they still they still got the UPI number one. Based on this, because uh, yeah, I love that the coaches poll is like <laughs> we don't listen to the cops. <laughs> Fuck that. We all know who's number one here. The AP poll is meanwhile dutifully taking orders. Bunch of fucking nerds. Um, the instructions on the packet said specifically not to rank Oklahoma. Yeah, why, why don't you do journalism? Rank Oklahoma. That was a terrifying series of noises. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, seventy seventy four is great because uh, it's it's crime pays. Like that's, it's, like that's do 74. Crime, do crime get paid, Oklahoma football. <laughs> Woo! Boomer. I mean, that is sort of what Land Thieves is all about, isn't it? Mm. Start to finish, baby. Mm. Boomer Toonses. Um, so what's the last, last on deck is Holly has 2008? Oh, one that we can all actually remember. Mm-hmm. Especially Spencer. He's quite old. The year was 2008. Uh, EDSBS was on WordPress still. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. We're sorry about that. And in week four of 2008, a number of things happened. Uh, Spencer, I'm going to ask you to pull up the EDSBS post that I know we made for this first game to read uh, when I get to the end of it. It was just a series of headlines because that is what happens when number one USC holds your stars and garters, a ranked USC team face planted to not ranked Oregon State on a Thursday, which means everybody saw the Trojans, as we were delighted to report, fell 27-21 to 21 to the Beavers in Corvallis. You may recall this also as the Jaquiz Rogers game. Uh, 37 carries, 186 yards, and two TDs at 5-6. Uh, this was also Oregon State's last, uh, a note here, Oregon State's last prior beating of a number one came in 1967 when they won 3 to nothing over... Anybody? Also USC and OJ. <laughs> uh, Oregon State was two and two at that point and had already lost to a five and seven Stanford team. Hell yeah. That's only that's only the second best. Um that's you know what, we may have deleted this post because it was real bad. 
Yeah, this was, by the way, if you like missed the heyday of Pete Carroll as a college coach, the best part about Pete Carroll as a college coach was well, this. I knew exactly what to Google to pull this post out. <laughs> was this. Asked after the game what happened, he said, I don't know. <laughs> he always looked. He never had a like, well, that's the better team. He was completely clueless every time USC lost. He's like, well, we knew it was coming. We couldn't stop him. I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to scroll real quick down this EDSBS post. Trojans can't pull it out. Hungry beavers suffocate Trojans. Trojans can't get it up for big night with beavers. Trojans can't come from behind. Falls short. 22 Trojans, no protection. USC to sleep in wet spot. Faced with angry beavers. Trojans flaccid. Oh, God. Oh, God. These just get worse. I'm not reading the rest of these. All right. You wrote You wrote these. My favorite part about this USC Beavers season. poke surreptitious hole in Trojans, comma, snatch victory. I hope some people tell us children listen to this show. And again, we've made very clear that they shouldn't do that. Never. Um, Absolutely never. My favorite part about USC this year is that after losing this game, they spend they the go rest, twelve and one. They spend the rest of the year not just going twelve and one, but furiously trying to just t- like it, show how strong they are against basically every other team on the schedule. Other did than, it work? It did not. It did mm-hmm. not. Other than a seventeen ten win against Arizona on the road, they they just pummel. Everybody they beat or they beat ranked Oregon by thirty four points. They beat Cal by two ranked Cal by two touchdowns. They slaw, uh, they beat Penn State fairly handily in the Rose Bowl, and it just doesn't matter. It just they cannot overcome the stink of losing this Oregon State game. Can I throw in two quick notes on USC? Um, oh, please do. One being in nineteen seventy four, I had it backwards. The AP poll did the right thing. Oklahoma number one. It was the coaches poll who were cops. So I apologize okay. to the AP. Uh, 2008, do we know how many national champions in 2008 through 2019 would be favored over 2008 USC in S ampersand P plus? The answer is one. 2013 Florida State. It would have 2008 USC over, I think, 2010 Auburn and 2014 Ohio State by 10 points. This team was awesome. Not on Thursday, they weren't. And they lost no. Oregon State. Yeah, does this no. does this cost them a national title? Yes. Yes. It cost them a shot at a national title. Thank Jack you. Rogers, Jack Wiz Rogers finishes a run with his helmet off on multiple occasions in this game. So, let's move on to somebody's favorite game. Uh, number three, Georgia, at home to number eight, Alabama. First of all, this was the black jersey game. UGA wore black jerseys. That was still happening. Um, it finished 41 to 30, but I need to remind you all that it was 31 to nothing at the half. Uh, this was also notable for being the last time John Parker Wilson scared anyone. He only passed 16 times. Uh, and no Sean had 34 yards of rushing. But the reason that I keep coming back to this game is it comes closest to describing everything that I love, hate about Alabama football, because there's a Dan Wetzel piece from the Alabama locker room after this game that is maybe my favorite bit of sports writing of all time. We highlighted bad sports writing, so let's highlight good sports writing. It is five lines long. It is five one-sentence paragraphs long, this section, and I'm just going to read here. There were even conflict... The he here is Saban. 
Gupta, there were even conflicting reports that he smiled in the victorious locker room. Yes, he smiled and told us he loved us, Reamer said. No, said quarterback Javier Arenas. Maybe, laughed quarterback John Parker Wilson. I'm excited, said Saban, looking not the least bit excited. (laughs) (laughs) This is is my favorite thing that's ever happened in a locker room. Alabama players arguing over whether it's okay to let an outsider know that Saban told the team he loved them. This is a this is the game that effectively kicks off a ten year campaign to win five national titles mm. at Alabama. Yeah, and this is the one where he says, "I'm excited." I'm excited, but I just I love the image of Javier Arenas, not exactly a dude that you want to meet in the open field, backing away from the notion that Saban told the team he loved them. No, he didn't. I love that he's the one who's like, guys, guys, cut it out, cut it out. I was going to ask you, would winning, would losing one game to a team that ultimately doesn't do anything with it, would that necessi- would that disqualify everyone from a national title in 2008? Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Just asking. Moving on, number four, Florida lost at home to unranked Ole Miss. Spencer, do you remember anything in particular about this game in regards to a bet that we might have made? No, don't remember a thing. You don't remember a special uniform that Florida wore for this game? No, not a thing. Okay, then I guess we won't talk about it. No. Ole Miss had 10 first downs. Florida had 24. The final was 31 to 30 on a missed extra point. Florida had three turnovers. Tim Tebow, a quarterback of some renown, uh, sorry, a tight end of some renown, fumbled away a possession, missed two wide open receivers on the last drive. That's out of character for him. And missed a crucial fourth and one at the end. Houston Nutt, quoting after the game, we can build on this. (laughs) Three years later, I am fired. Lost a school record 12 straight SEC games to close florida won the national title anyway by the way and nothing at all went wrong after that yep we were fine yeah nothing nothing this game by the way like you want to talk about like means nothing didn't stop florida from winning a national title didn't stop florida from becoming a completely dysfunctional like is arguably a bigger part of florida lore than old miss lore because of the damn speech Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Oh, was there a speech? Oh, yes. There, yes. Oh, God. No, let's let's go on to the next game. I don't want to talk about the speech. I, know. I, don't I would know. rather talk about uh, the jerseys that Florida wore for this game. Oh, no, wait. This wasn't that Ole Miss game. I'm thinking of a different Ole Miss mm-hmm. loss. We have bet on a lot of Ole Miss. Do- let's never bet wait, on Wait, is this my superpower? Is my superpower just knowing when Ole Miss is going to beat Florida? Because that's all I ever predict. My superpower is not seeing it coming. Weird. That's, yeah. That, it mine. only works for Florida Ole Miss. I can't seem to generate it for anything else. No, Spencer this is, not is the Daredevil. <laughs> this is not the orange jersey game. Daredevil no, in shorts. No. All right. Anyway, um, also that week. Oh, God, this was a spicy week. Number nine, Wisconsin lost to unranked Michigan. Uh, upstart Michigan Wolverines won 27 to 25. The Wolverines <laughs> trailed 19-0 at the half and were booed off the field. Wisconsin had four turnovers. Michigan had five, but the Badgers had theirs last. That's what matters. Nine total turnovers. It, hey, it game. just goes to show when you have Stephen Freed and Sam McGuffey, you're never really out of a game, are you? Yeah, that's my favorite. This is like the ultimate, like, the poop era of Big Ten football, right? Like, late 2000s. 
mid to late 2000s, when you have this Wisconsin team, you're like, can you name anyone else on these teams? Anyone. No one. This is like talent point. I can at barely the remember Sam McGuffey's name. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll not forget three level midnight anytime soon. But <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, enough said about that. Uh, the game that we all want to talk about is number 16, Wake Forest, falling out to unranked Navy. What hath God wrought? Um, uh, my, I'm only mentioning this game because uh, Navy won 24-17, but I'm only mentioning this game because Riley Skinner threw as many interceptions in this game as Navy threw passes. Anybody want to guess how many that was? Four. Four is correct. Do you think you can track when the economy is going to crash based on when Wake Forest cracks the top 25? Yeah. Oh, shit. No, I think it's Sell! Economy peaking? <laughs> Go, demon deacon. Uh, economy <laughs> deacon. The, de- the demon deacon does sort of look like an evil banker, so. <laughs> Coming for the farm! <laughs> Andy's a Protestant and they ruin everything. Yeah. Um God man, that's a thought that's gonna fester. Sorry. Okay. S- scheming deacon. <laughs> okay. Number twenty I got two I got two more games that I'm throwing in for uh because they were both technically in the top twenty five. This feels less bloody. Um uh, ECU was ranked for a second, lost to Houston 41-24, never trust Skip Holtz. Both teams had four turnovers, and Houston still won by 17. <laughs> this was like the ball itself was covered with blood this week. But anyway, I'm bringing it home with number 20 Clemson losing at home to unranked Maryland. you know why? Willie Corn alert. Willie Corn. Willie Corn. Willie Corn. Willie Corn was the backup quarterback in this 20 to 17 loss to the Terps. Clemson blew a lead in the second half, and it was a very important game because Tommy Bowden slipped to three and two after this and the opening hammering by Mama, then resigned six games into the season, taking his bitch mentality home with him and opening the door for one Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Tommy Bowden, by the way, does anybody want to, Spencer can't guess because he's looking at my notes, Ryan, Jason, do you guys want to guess how many seasons Tommy Bowden was at Clemson? If you um, count this one as like a half season. I, th- I want to say it's like seven or eight. Nine and okay. a half. Okay, all right. Nine and a half seasons for Tommy Bowden. America really is a meritocracy, y'all. What is the best Clemson record in that um, stretch? Mm. I can I can look this up. Hold on. This one because it got them Dabo Swinney. Um, that's yeah. the best True. record. So Clemson has two nine-win seasons in the stretch. In 2003, they went nine and four. That's with a Peach Bowl win. Mm-hmm. In 2007, the, year and the other one they this, lost the Chick Fil A that yes, year. Yes, yes, and that's that's the 2017. So yes. like uh, a very a very middle of the road ACC team. A very like top middle of the road, if that's a thing. ACC. I remember team. that because that was the random Chick Fil A bowl that went to like triple overtime or something. Double um, overtime. And how many how many seasons have has Clemson had under Dabo where they have won fewer than nine games? Oh, interesting. One? Yep. Just one in 2010. Could Dabo have done it without everyone was like, we gotta fire this guy. Could Dabo have done this without the foundation that Tommy Bowden laid? <laughs> could Dabo have won those has could Dabo have started 
so high up without Tommy Bowden's play. <laughs> I, I think in many ways it's still Tommy Bowden's program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People yeah, say let, that. Let me give you, by the way, this was when you talk about like Saban rising. This was <laughs> don't don't say that. He's very sensitive. He's up to height. he's up to five seven. <laughs> yeah, he can only rise so far. The Saban rising like a kid trying to get on the vortex of traveling carnival. Remember that this was this entire thing started with a 34-10 thumping of Clemson in the Georgia Dome where uh, a couple of things happened. The, the I believe it was C.J. Spiller as a fresh, or no, it was Jacoby Ford. Jacoby Ford was promised the first carry as a recruit. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Jacoby Ford. He's promised the first carry against Alabama. He fumbles. Alabama instantly scores off that. Clemson has no pulse for the rest of the game and just lays down and dies for the rest of the game. Like doesn't just doesn't in retrospect, like Clemson is one of the smartest teams to ever play prime to peak era save in Alabama because they got a, a whiff of it and they were like, nah, 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 we'll, we'll come back. We've got we've got like 11 more games on the schedule. We're just going to stick to this. But I will give Ryan or Jason a million dollars if you can tell me who was quarterback in Clemson that year. In two in two thousand, what yeah. year was this? Yeah, this uh, was back when all of Clemson's quarterbacks and Auburn's quarterbacks were interchangeable. Yeah, I got nothing. And they was all this, said, "Was this a Whitehurst year?" No, this was a Cullen Harper year, who oh, is yeah. now a dentist. That, good, honestly, good for him. Yeah, well, he's a dentist in Augusta. Don't get too excited. Um, Jason, is it fair to say that this is a good example of a chaos week that did not actually that that should have potentially impacted things, but didn't mostly because. Oh, hey, wait, hey, I'm hey, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. One more stat, one more yeah. stat. Um, uh, the reason I brought up Colin Harper is because his backward scrambling for 28 yards in that Bama game left Kemp Clemson with 14 carries for zero yards on the ground in that game. <laughs> They were playing as a scramble, but Colin Harper got him back to par. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> I mean, I think this was a deeply consequential blood week because, I mean, USC w- would probably be favored over Florida or, or Oklahoma in the sure. title game without right. this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ge- Georgia would um, not have deep, complex emotions about what color jersey it wears to this day. They might have switched jersey colors by now. No, there was that one. There's that one cocktail party, though. I think it's mostly that. Um, I feel like that would have stuck in their craws a little bit more. You look at the final AP rankings, which are Florida 1, USC 3. Two teams that both lost this week. Who's who's stuck in the middle between them? Utah, huh. who, who finished the season undefeated. What and, conference were they in? Um, the, the, the other pack. Uh, uh, pre-power, pre-power. Ah, mm. interesting. U- Utah was uh, uh, plugging in the power. Listen, oh, the map, man, the, y'all... The Mountain Y'all West were is a bringing very good this up this year, so it's fine. Y'all were bringing this up, and I completely forgot until this second uh, <clears throat> that players were clamoring in the preseason to bring out Georgia's black jerseys for Notre Dame. Uh, wouldn't that be a fine? Wouldn't this be a fine weekend if we if we spoke that into being on this here Thursday podcast? Hi. It's John Gennaro, executive producer of SB Nation's team podcast. The NFL season is finally here, and if you're anything like me, you're looking for a podcast that covers your team so you can get caught up on all the relevant news and opinions on your way to work or school. SB Nation has got you covered. 
We've created 32 NFL podcasts, one for each team's fan base, hosted by fans of that team. If you're looking for a deeper, funnier, nerdier, and more authentic podcast experience than anywhere else, you'll want to check it out. Not every NFL fan is the same, and SB Nation is here for the ones that want to hear about their team. Subscribe today and you'll get new episodes for news, game previews and recaps, in-depth analysis, and more. Find the podcast for your favorite football team at SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. That's SBNation.com slash NFL podcast.